What is the right way to show up? Um, what is the right way for your partner to show up for you? What is the right way for your employers, your leaders at work? What is the right way for them to show up for you? Because I think what is missing in the conversation that we're having about women and the workplace is that we yep. still don't understand what, how exactly they need to show up. You know, it seems true that women, more so than men, often look at, you know, job descriptions and think that all the requirements listed there are hard requirements versus sort of framing it as, do you have the relevant skills that would allow you to learn to do? And, you know, and then you think to yourself, okay, well, if I don't have the required skills, I won't get the job and I won't put in the time and then go through this process and then be rejected, right? And maybe men seem to care, care less about that or they, they don't think it through fully in terms of like what might happen. But, you know, as, as someone who's in the industry of, you know, jobs and what are the skills that are actually needed for jobs, right? It's a huge part of what we research at Indeed. You know, it's absolutely true that many, many job requirements are, you know, um, on job descriptions, outdated, maybe haven't been rewritten in years, aren't actually a reflection of what the hiring manager is solving for. They're sort of like directionally correct. So I think one thing we have to just remind all young people is, you know, you don't have to always read these job descriptions so literally. It's trying to paint a picture of the type of work and the types of capabilities. You know, I, um, in my career choices and when I've been deciding, okay, I think I'm going to leave a job or leave a company and try something new, I try to ask myself five questions. So one, um, am I still finding meaning or purpose or a sense of fulfillment in what I'm doing? Second, am I learning? And if you're not a little uncomfortable in your job, you're probably not learning. Uh, third, do, am I getting to solve hard problems? Am I sort of intellectually challenged in this role? Um, fourth, am I actually having impact? Am I helping my org, my team, or my peers succeed? And then fifth, do I actually like the people that I'm working with? Because uh, it matters, right? In terms of like how much fun you're having. And I've generally found that if I feel like the answers to any of those questions start to go sideways on me, it probably means it's time to make a change. This is Level Up, a Mother Honestly podcast powered by Indeed. The last two years have been about mothers taking a step back to support our families. As we navigate the post-pandemic future of women at work, we are back, ready to level up personally and professionally. We host real and honest conversations with global leaders in parenting, business, work, and life, providing step-by-step -step solutions for your next level. I am your host, Blessing Adeshian, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly, a chemical engineer, energy, supply chain, and operational excellence leader, and a mother of four. You will also hear from my friend and co-host, Andrea Mulan, founder and CEO of Victory Public Relations and mother to two boys. We are here to level up with Indeed. My blessing. My word. That was amazing. We just spoke with Maggie Holsey, SVP and Enterprise GM leader. 
and indeed, this podcast will drop next week on April 27th. And I think we're both in agreement that this has been an incredible conversation. I, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than I need Maggie on the Mother Honesty Advisory Board because she is a powerhouse. She is somebody that understands the, the, the need for women to show up, um, not only at home, but also in the workplace. And the right way to show up, I think that's the part that gets me, is, you know, what is the, what is the right way to show up? Um, what is the right way for your partner to show up for you? What is the right way for your employers, your leaders at work? What is the right way for them to show up for you? Because I think what is missing in the conversation that we're having about women and the workplace is that we yep. still don't understand what, how exactly they need to show up. And I think today's yeah. podcast, everything we just, all the conversations we just had with Maggie really helped me to crystallize that messaging properly, which is you as a mother need to show up in a way that allows you to bring your full self to work and to your family and in a way that allows you to flourish. And my goodness, Maggie's amazing. I don't know. What do you think? Andrew? She is amazing. I think that she's incredible. I was so, you know, throughout the course, this is episode number seven. I have learned so much on every interview. I continue to learn so much from you. And I think that what really, first of all, I was very excited about the topic. So we talked with Maggie about making big career changes. And we asked her questions that had to do with how can we as people, you know, working mothers, particularly, but a little more broadly, people who have interests and lives outside of work, how can we really integrate our ambition and make sure that ourself, you know, our sense of self isn't lost and we're having the experience that we want. And I know you, like me, took a lot of notes. I love what she said about attitude and effort. She's the mother of four, which is just astonishing, like yourself. And you know, a very, she's had an illustrious career with stops at McKinsey, at Google, now at Indeed. She is really doing big things and she's so approachable and almost um, self-deprecating in a sense. You know, it wasn't recorded. And I wish it was recorded, but she sort of made a joke when we talked about the challenges that we've experienced at work going from, you know, leveling up in our own careers at a time when we're also building our families and we have young children, you know, and she made this comment. She's like, listen, they're, they're, these jobs are not often as hard as we think they are, which is so, I think. Light bulb, light bulb moments. I remember being, when I was with DuPont, BASF and the rest of them, I see this big, you know, this man with nice, you know, outfits and suits and everything. And I'm like, oh my goodness, they must be doing like really complex work. And, you know, now as the founder and the CEO of a company, you know, a media and a tech company, and I'm having to like, you know, do everything and learn on the go. It's really not so hard. I think the, the hardest part is really having the right people in the right seats. And that was one yes. thing that, you know, Maggie even touched on, which is this idea of building great teams, not just in the workplace, but also yes. in your house. Because, you know, let's be clear, especially in the United States, we frown against outsourcing because women still want to be the one fundling those groceries out there. They still want to be the one you know, 
doing the laundry. Blessing. Handling <laughs> that fruit. That's I love that you said that. I am so serious. Like it really hurts me when I see, you know, moms arguing with me about this idea that they need to be the one doing it all. And so really just having that conversation with Maggie around how do we build great teams at home and how do yep. we how do we make sure that you know we our partners are they see us they see us and they are you know they are doing their own yep. share of work and also this idea that you know I think she said something that really resonated with me the idea that having a babysitter or a nanny it's just another person that loves them like I wrote that yep. down. I literally would yeah, big time because you know sometimes I feel guilty about the idea that you know the babysitter or the nanny is watching my kid while I'm podcasting, for example. Um, yeah, because this idea of working from home is actually a double-edged sword because your baby's downstairs, you can actually hear them crying, and you're trying to like wrap up a conversation. And so for me, this idea that another person loves them, like that that just that felt like a hug yeah okay that felt like yep. warm sliced bread with butter on it oh I, I know I, I was just like, I feel the same way and I have never been I've always I have accepted and sought a lot of help in my motherhood journey my journey as a working mother specifically you know my parents are very involved my um husband is obviously very involved my I have a nanny that I rely on tremendously for things that have to do with the kids and things that have nothing to do with the kids. Mm -hmm. um, and listen, we acknowledge that there are different right fits for all mothers. It's not a one size fit fits all. But I think where what really gelled for me with Maggie is that for women who believe that they cannot work in a professional setting because there is no good option for them, that is false. And that is something that I join you in just wanting to beat the drum to dismantle because I see so much that reinforces that idea. You cannot be a good mother if you are working in a big job. You know, you are going to encounter challenges that will infringe upon your ability to be present at home if you have a big job. And that doesn't have to be the case. Of course, it can be the case, but it doesn't have to be if you have the tools and you know how to ask for and accept the support needed to ensure that you have everything that you need and your kids have everything you need. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. I can't wait for us to dig in. So I don't want us to give too much away. So let's welcome Maggie and myself and Andrea. I mean, I think this, this one is a, you definitely want to listen all the way because there's so many nuggets, so many haha moments, so many framework for success at home yeah. in the workplace. Let's go. Yep. And we'll include information about how to reach out, how to contact and follow Maggie as well, which I think would be um, spectacular. I love it. So Maggie, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to talk about your kids, your family, and wow, I can't believe you have four kids, Maggie. I I thought I was crazy <laughs> with four kids, so I'm so glad to find somebody like you in the workplace, I never thought I would find a mother of four in a Fortune 500 company. So tell us about your, yourself and your kids. Well, thank you so much for having me. So uh, yes, I'm a mom of four kids. Uh, we live in Connecticut. They are ages 
12, 11, nine, and six, uh, two boys and two girls. I think anybody who has multiple kids knows that, you know, there's lots of different sort of personalities that will come with four kids or even two, right? No two kids are the same. And, you know, I've, I always had really uh, busy jobs with my young kids. I had two kids while I was at McKinsey, two kids while I was at Google. And I actually joined Indeed when my youngest was only six months old. So I, I came right out of a maternity leave into a, a new job. So it's sort of been what I've known my entire sort of career for the last, you know, 15 years. So yeah, it's been, um, it's been an awesome journey. Hi, Maggie. We are so thrilled and excited to have you on the podcast to chat about making big career moves. We'd love to get personal before we get a little more into the technical side. Can you share with us what your role is at Indeed and how you bring your full self to work as a parent? Well, I'm so happy to be here. So I'm Maggie Hulse, the Executive Vice President and General Manager for Enterprise at Indeed. And so in that role, I lead product, technology, and go-to-market teams we're focused on solutions to help large global employers make hires with Indeed. Um, I've been in Indeed for just over six years now and live in Connecticut. You know, how do you bring your full self to work as a parent? So I'm a mom of four awesome kids, ages 12, 11, 9, and 6, two boys and two girls. And I think about this question of full self in a couple ways. One, you know, first acknowledging that we're all, you know, uh, people first with lives and interest in families outside of work and employees second. And I think it's also about reflecting on, you know, what's really important to you as a parent, as a person, and what boundaries you want to set as you navigate all of those things that are important to you and making sure you don't assume with, you know, other people, like how they'll think about this question. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who have things that they value that are, outside of work, it might be when they exercise or they have an evening class. And even, you know, across parents, you know, some it's really about the morning time with their kids, some it's more about evening or, you know, parts of the afternoon. And so it's really just reflecting on what's important and then asking the question to understand. And then lastly, I would say really just being, you know, authentic, acknowledging when there are there are parts of navigating it that that are challenging. Because again, we're all people. So I think about when I, you know, had infants and one of them, you know, would have kept us up all night and coming to work and saying, all right, team, like I got one hour of sleep. I'm so tired. I'm, I may be a little silly or a little bleary on this call, but I'm here and I'm going to do my best. And, and everyone understands, right? So I think those are some of the things that I think about in, you know, how you bring your full self to work when you are, you know, a parent and, also trying to do a, a good job at work. Oh my goodness. I think, I, I think I'm just nodding because for me as a chemical engineer, I've spent years in corporate America and I have never heard a leader say, you know, what we are people first. We have a full life. We have our kids. We have our family. We have interests outside of work and those should also matter. Right. And, and I think that was, that was what I heard from you, Maggie, um, you know, recognizing that these things matter and they matter to that individual. And so how can we, as the, you know, whether it's the workplace or the employer recognize that um, I want to shift gears a little bit, because for me, even when I was in corporate America, I know how hard it is to, when you make that decision to go for a bigger opportunity 
and you feel so scared, right? Mm. I have made so many decisions in my career and I feel so scared going for that role, um, especially as a woman and especially knowing that I have kids and understanding that there's the maternal bias, right, that exists for women. And a lot of women, especially within the modern honesty community, don't apply for jobs because of these things, because they think that, you know, they're not qualified or that the maternal bias will be held against them. What, what, what are your thoughts around this? Yeah, there's, there's so much interesting research, isn't there, on this question. Um, you know, it seems true that women, more so than men, often look at, you know, job descriptions and think that all the requirements listed there are hard requirements versus sort of framing it as, do you have the relevant skills that would allow you to learn to do? And, you know, and then you think to yourself, okay, well, if I don't have the required skills, I won't get the job and I won't put in the time and then go through this process and then be rejected, right? And maybe men seem to care, care less about that or they, they don't think it through fully in terms of like what might happen. But, you know, as, as someone who's in the industry of, you know, jobs and what are the skills that are actually needed for jobs, right? It's a huge part of what we research at Indeed. You know, it's absolutely true that many, many job requirements are, you know, um, on job descriptions, outdated, maybe haven't been rewritten in years, aren't actually a reflection of what the hiring manager is solving for. They're sort of like directionally correct. So I think one thing we have to just remind all young people is, you know, you don't have to always read these job descriptions so literally. It's trying to paint a picture of the type of work and the types of capabilities. And, you know, also realizing that all of us are learning new things and building new skills throughout our career. And so, you know, you get to a certain point in your career and there is literally no one who has ever done all of the jobs of the teams that you are managing. It's not possible, right? So when you realize that, that it's actually impossible to have done all the things yourself once you get to a certain level, you know, you you maybe can stop being so hard on yourself in terms of, oh, I have to have, you know, experienced all these things or personally managed all these things versus thinking like, do I know how to build teams? Do I know how to ask great questions? Do I know how to learn things, triangulate with experts in a field and actually be excellent in leading a function, even if you haven't grown up in that function? Because again, at a certain level in the organization, no one can have done all of the things. You can't. So I think that's one thing that, you know, we should just remind ourselves. Um, and as a parent, you know, I say this to my kids. I'm like, guys, you're probably going to work till you're 75. You might have six different careers in your life. And that is going to be part of the adventure of life and technology and how fast things are changing. So, you know, here's what you have to do. You have to know how to work hard. You have to know how to learn new things. And if you have that and you can focus on the things that you control, which is your attitude and your effort, we say that to our kids all the time, you are going to have lots of choices in life. And so just keep, keep that in mind. You have to keep learning new things and that's part of growth and that's part of the adventure. And again, I think maybe, you know, women just allowing for that and saying, all right, maybe I haven't done this, but I can learn it or I've done something very similar and, and recognizing that and, you know, um, realizing again that a lot of those job descriptions aren't need, needing to be taken that literally. I love that, Maggie. I was taking some notes, attitude and effort, you know, that resonated with me tremendously. And 
my personal experience as a career-driven mother of two myself is that my confidence took a hit after the birth of each of my children. Um, you know, and after all of the conversations I've had with other of my um, colleagues and friends who are also working moms, I don't think I'm alone in this. And I think new mothers especially have this experience, a personal, a professional identity crisis, perhaps. So can you share in your experience, you know, how you, if you've experienced that, how you overcame it, speaking more specifically to the experience of moms? Yeah. Well, look, first, I think you have to go back to reflecting on, you know, what is important to you? And remember, I had, you know, um, a, a mentor at McKinsey, who, you know, was sort of pushing on like, okay, what are your goals personally and professionally? And how, how do you think about those things? And there's no one right answer, right? There's no one best choice or way to be. There's, you know, are you being the person you want to be? And I think that's one thing to just, that we all just need to keep reflecting on because it's a very personal choice. And then I think there's this element, you know, which I mentioned um, in the last question of, if you think about life and careers being actually pretty long, and you can choose to pursue opportunities for a phase of life that can offer more flexibility and you can still be learning or building or growing your capabilities. So, you know, it might be as a mom that you say, well, okay, there's going to be a few years where I'm going to value, you know, flexibility a little bit more. But I know in sort of the arc of the career or things that I want to learn over that time, here's something new and different that I could do that actually would help me build a skill, build a capability, get exposure to something new. And all of those experiences over time make you a better leader, better problem solver, better employee. And, and those choices don't always mean amplification of work or hours. You can, you can step into something that's different and actually have it be helping you in your career in the long term and not have it be more intense per se than the thing that you were stepping out of. So I think those are some of the things that I've thought about. And very personally for me, you know, I um in my career choices and when I've been deciding, okay, I think I'm going to leave a job or leave a company and try something new, I try to ask myself five questions. So one, am I still finding meaning or purpose or a sense of fulfillment in what I'm doing? Second, am I learning? And if you're not a little uncomfortable in your job, you're probably not learning. Third, am I getting to solve hard problems? Am I sort of intellectually challenged in this role? Fourth, am I actually having impact? Am I helping my org, my team, or my peers succeed? And then fifth, do I actually like the people that I'm working with? Uh, Because it matters, right? In terms of like how much fun you're having. And I've generally found that if I feel like the answers to any of those questions start to go sideways on me, it probably means it's time to make a change. And again, you can make a change with a career sort of goal in mind that doesn't necessarily have to be an escalation or an amplification of hours or time and still have it be really good for solving for the things that matter for you in your career and in your life. I want to pause here and talk about our partner, Indeed. The last few years have forced women to rethink the role that work plays in their lives. In fact, flexibility has become a major priority for women going back to work. As a mother of four, I understand how important it is 
to have flexibility in your job. As much as I would love for things to always go according to plan, life with kids is unpredictable. Indeed can help mamas like you find a company that is empathetic and understanding of your needs. Because it's not just about finding a place to work, it's about finding a job that works for you. With Indeed, you can find a job that has the flexibility to fit your life, not the other way around. Not to mention, with Indeed's Work Happiness Report, you can make sure a company scores well on the things that matters most to you, like compensation, inclusion, and flexibility. Visit Indeed.com slash betterwork to learn more about how Indeed is committed to helping women find better work. Wow. Wow, Maggie. Um, Andrea and I will be texting each other while you're talking. Like, she's so good. <laughs> I mean, um, I am blown away because you are touching on everything, especially as women are stepping back into sort of this remote or hybrid workforce. Mm. And we are all looking to, you know, what's next, right? What's next for women in this post-pandemic future? And a lot of women are starting to think about reinventing themselves and reinventing their careers. And I love this five-step questions that you've just given us because I feel like that is already more than likely, um, you know, 90%. That solves 90% of the questions that a lot of women now have around how to approach their lives in motherhood, work, and life. What are some of the ways, especially you know, again, when you're thinking of reinventing your career or demanding for more in the workplace, whether that is a promotion or negotiating for that next level, what are some of the ways that women can demand this better quality of life beyond the salary? You touched on something, which is what is it that, you know, will bring you fulfillment, right? Um, So how can we, as women, demand a better quality of life um, from our workplace, my employers, and how can we go after these opportunities that, you know, and now there's a lot of them because of the great resignation, because of so many changes and shifts in the workplace, we're starting to see opportunities. How can women take advantage of these opportunities? Yeah, it's such a good question. Well, look, I think going back to like honest self-reflection of what matters to you, you know, one of my most favorite interview questions to ask when I'm interviewing candidates. First, I like to ask people, what is true about your most favorite days at work? Like the days where you're like, I love my job. I love what I'm doing. Today was awesome. What is true about those days? And then I like to ask people as they're thinking about changing careers, you know, what is it that's most important for you to get right with this change, with this new adventure? What are you solving for? And, you know, you'll be surprised, like people are solving for or thinking about very different things. And again, it's, it's highly personal, what matters to you. And so I think that sort of honest reflection of like, what do you want to learn? How do you want to have impact? What excites you? And realize that there's no one right answer to that. There's your answer to that. And then I think as it relates to, you know, communication of those things, there's this sort of need for honest conversation. You know, if there's something that really matters to you, have you shared that with your manager? Like, does your manager even know what excites you and what you're passionate about? And if you 
find yourself wanting to contribute differently in an organization? Have you told anybody about that? Because, you know, I think sometimes it's just the, the first step is just, you know, putting it on paper or articulating the thing and being surprised if you put it out there, how people will respond. You know, I would love to learn something about marketing. I would love to learn something about sales. I would love to have an experience where I'm working in an international context. And many organizations want to create those opportunities, but they they won't be able to figure out what's in your head unless you, you know, you share it with them. And then I think as it relates to promotions and sort of asking and navigating for the things that are important to you, I think, you know, the biggest sort of advice I would give is proactivity. You know, you know, one question I think it's good for people to reflect on is, do you actually keep track of the things that you have achieved, completed, executed, driven? You know, do you just keep a running list of these are all the things that I have achieved, I have helped people do? And if you don't keep that list, just start, just write it down and remind people, share those things, right? Those are your contributions in the organization. And that's part of advocating and making sure your manager and the leaders in the organization are aware of the ways that you are contributing. And it doesn't have to come across as like overly self-promotional. It's just making sure that people have the visibility and the understanding of the ways that you're contributing. And you know, I, I do think that that people sometimes make this mistake. They don't advocate for themselves enough, even with just the things that they've already done and contributed. And I think then the other question to ask yourself is, okay, if I really want to do something that's new or different, or it's outside of a space that I've actually worked in before, how can you be proactive yourself in helping to prepare yourself? So, you know, can you take a class? Can you reach out to somebody who's been in the field and ask them for an hour of their time? And what could I read or what could I do that could help me develop, you know, a little bit more familiarity with this thing? So that's also proactivity in terms of not just sharing what you've done, but thinking about okay, how can I learn something that would be helpful if I want to make a move or I want that next promotion? And you'd be surprised, like, you know, passion and proactivity in terms of I want to have impact and here's how I'm going to show up and here's how I'm going to try to be ready for it. And here's all the things that I've already contributed and, and why I believe I can do this goes a long, long way. Um, and so I would just remind people, don't don't be shy about those things. Again, it comes from a place of wanting to contribute versus it being all about you. Um, generally, organizations, you know, welcome it. It's it's how, you know, great things happen in companies, people being passionate and wanting to drive change. Maggie, thank you for that. I really appreciate, and I'm sure the, our listeners really appreciate the very astute guidance and suggestions. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on something else that we've talked about, you know, that is being talked about extensively right now, which is we've seen the research, we've heard from various sources that there is an upside to having working mothers in or having mothers in the workforce. However, there are still abundant stories of women who are being penalized, who are in one way or another penalized for having children. Originally, I was going to ask for your advice, which I would still be happy to hear. You know, we'd still be happy to hear, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. So what what is that disconnect about, do you think? And how can we help women and even some men you know, um, who have these same concerns align personal and professional goals when it comes to advancing at work while they're also establishing or expanding their families. Yeah. Well, first, I think it's important 
to acknowledge we've come a really long way in one generation. You know, there are many, many women in big jobs in all professions and in all industries that have kids. And there are, you know, many, many men who want to be more present parents also, and who personally reject the idea that just because they're a man that work should always take precedence over their family. You know, they, they don't think that that's right. And so again, I think it's important for us to just acknowledge that we've, we've come a long way. We have, you know, we have more distance to travel, but we've, um, we've come a long way. Um, you know, I remember somebody telling me once, you know, you have to think of your career less like a ladder and more like a web, like a spider web and lateral moves for learning can also be accelerants in your career. So, you know, I think again, it, for me, it comes back to, if you think about your career as sort of a, sort of a journey of building skills and capabilities and perspectives, and, and you take that vantage point, then you can say, okay, you know, in this phase of my life or for this, this three years or these two years or these five years, what, you know, what are the things that I think would actually help contribute to my long-term goals? And are, do I want to make those moves right now? Do I want to make them later? And if, if the answer is, well, I need to take sort of a, a lateral move that I can learn something new, but it's going to have, you know, a slightly different time requirement, that that can be fine. And again, it can still be an accelerant for your long-term career. Um, and, and look, I think sometimes you just, you, you have to weigh those things and, and sort of do the pros and cons of choices. I think like personally for me, if I think back to um, when I was at Google and I had my fourth child, so this is my fourth maternity leave, I was thinking about, okay, when I return, you know, how do I think about sort of the next role I would want to take? And I was coming to the realization that the next job I probably wanted to take was going to require me to move to California from Connecticut. And that was a no-go for me. Um, and so, you know, my mind was open to like, okay, what are the things that I enjoy? Again, those, those questions that I asked. And um, indeed, that has an office in Connecticut uh, was a door that opened. And there were many, many reasons why indeed was compelling to me, but you know, I'll share that there were two other, you know, senior executives reporting to the CEO, men in Stanford, who also had four kids and who were highly devoted to their families, you know, coaching after school sports, taking them to school. And I think that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, companies have very different personalities and there are many, many companies that have cultures that are family oriented. So it can also be, you know, something that you weigh as you think about what you're solving for in the stage of life that you're in and where you are with your career and how you want those things to work together. Oh my, I love it so much. And I think you, Maggie, you're giving us such an, a very um, exciting perspective because a lot of times when we're talking to executive women, um, a lot of them don't have four kids. I think you're a unicorn uh -huh. um, in that <laughs> and, um, and I think that, you know, you're giving this perspective that there are ways to align our, our personal and professional goals in motherhood. Um, something really, I, I think one of the biggest reasons, and, and we need to be honest with ourselves, and I think I shared this before, before we started recording, which is the fact that, you know, childcare is a major issue for a lot of women. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the biggest reasons why we drop out of the workforce, because when you start adding that up, including the amount of unpaid work that we are shouldering on the home front. 
um, I wanna, I, I'm actually very curious, um, you know, seeing that you are, you know, uh, you know, an executive and you have four kids, how have you managed this idea of unpaid work on the home front as well as childcare? Can you just share some of the things that worked for you in managing um, the household chores as well as your children? Yeah. Um, well, I recognize first that people have very different points of view and approaches on this topic. So again, I guess I would go with my general theme that there is no one right way. You know, I think for me, one of the really big things was, you know, with my spouse, and I think this holds, you know, with for anyone with your spouse or partner, you know, um, figuring out the way that you're going to support each other and how work gets divided. And, you know, is it actually wildly unfair or imbalanced? And if it is having that conversation and actually, you know, sometimes your spouse might surprise you in sort of sharing that they feel that the work that they carry is is lopsided um, in their direction, depending on, you know, depending on the, the type of work or what it is. So I think there's something about, you know, with your spouse and partner with kids, like having the candid conversation about the size and the scope and the shape of all of that other work, right? It's real. Um, and how it gets divided and how you help each other and and not having it be unspoken or just sort of shouldered as a burden without questioning or, or bringing it up. I think so that's, that's helped me a lot. And, you know, we, um, my husband and I talk a lot about like how that's going or how we're feeling about that. And, and if, if one of us is starting to get, you know, a little bit crabby about that, like being able to just talk it through and figure out how you might make adjustments. Um, so I think that's one thing I think for me also, you know, just figuring out, um, what you're not going to do and what you can give away. And, you know, in, uh, in, in like those, those pr productivity two by twos that they're like, okay, you have to clean out your inbox, like the four D's like do defer, delegate or delete. Right. And so I think you can apply that to your, to your work at home also. Um, you know, what are the things that you actually personally really feel like you need to do for your kids, or your family versus, you know, let it wait till the weekend or give it away to someone else or just not do it. So things, you know, personally for me, um, you know, uh, I would I would go to the grocery store every week. And so, you know, in COVID, I was like, I don't need to do this. I, you know, I can set a weekly delivery from Peapod and maybe I can go once a month. And that's a whole, that's a bunch of hours I can get back. Um, you know, I decided a, a, a while ago that, you know, cleaning the house was a fairly affordable thing I could give away. Um, as our kids have gotten older, we've tried to be really clear about like what their responsibilities are. So, you know, they have to clear their own plates and rinse them off and put them in the dishwasher. It's not my job to put dishes in the sink into the dishwasher. I, I do my plate, they do theirs, right? And sort of like, how do you think about teaching responsibility to your kids that also can be lessening the load? Um, and, but, but I always, you know, also had, I had people helping me in the house with the kids um, from when they were little. So I did have, um, you know, a nanny in the house helping me and helping, you know, me and my husband with the kids from when they were little. And, you know, I have thought about that as just sort of um, another person that loves them, uh, that, you know, they have a relationship with, and it's been a, you know, a positive thing in our family. And, you know, I, I guess, again, if you think about it professionally, like, you get to a place where you can only achieve big and harder things by building good teams. 
And I think it's the same thing when you have four kids, when you've, you're, you know, you're, you're doing many, many things, you have to think about it as a team and not as you have to do it all as an individual. And so if you take that mindset, then many more things are possible. Wow, Maggie, are you sure um, we, I think, I feel like we need to add you to the Mother Honesty Advisory team, like, by the way. <laughs> that would be awesome. You are, I am blown away. I'm blown away. And something you just said, and, you know, we've always um, talked about how can we, how can we implement some organizational principles um, that we've learned in the workplace? How can we implement that at home? And you touched on something that I never, ever thought about, which is, you know, this idea of building great teams. And, you know, because a lot of times, especially with the working mothers, the biggest issue is that they believe that their identity is tied to the work that they do. It's tied to holding laundry. It's tied to going to the grocery store and picking the right set of tomatoes. And, you know, and, and so a lot of times we are, women are not seeing the possibility of this teamwork right, that you just described. And I'm so grateful, Maggie, that you mentioned the fact that you had a nanny, especially with your kids growing up, because that is something that a lot of people are not sharing. And so a lot of other moms are looking at themselves and they they believe that they are somehow failing because they're not growing in their careers. And we, at Mother Honesty, we, we love to share this perspective because we know that in order for you to climb the corporate ladder, in order for you to achieve all the things that you want personally and professionally, you need to invest in the support system. Yes. Uh, there's, there's no way you can do it all. It's impossible. And so I just want to say that I am completely grateful that you've been so open and so honest about how you've run your household, how you've climbed the corporate ladder with the support system, with a team, um, with teamwork, and also with a partner um, that truly is supportive and active. Um, in, in, in getting you, um, you know, in supporting you and supporting, supporting your kids. I really love that. Um, I know, Thank you. I know Andrea is laughing so hard because she's like, she has never seen me light up this <laughs> much in a podcast. So, um, but let me, let me come back to you again, Maggie, um, as, as we sort of, you know, step out of this post COVID, well, well, step out of COVID into a post COVID workforce. Let's hope that's the case, right? We're still very much in a pandemic. Yes. What are the things that give you hope, right? I, I am seeing a lot of things that you just shared, which is, for example, using people, right? So now we've been able to sort of, um, you know, give that away, right? Uh, and so that is one positive that came out of the pandemic because suddenly we were all, you know, okay with, you know, groceries being delivered without us fundling the fruits. So what are the things that gives you hope as we... Um, as we go into, um, you know, this new sort of world where work is remote or hybrid and, you know, there's a new, it's a new landscape, it's a new world. What gives you hope about the future of women and work? Oh, God, so many things. Um, I think first, there are so, there are more options now uh, for working in ways that benefit women. And I, like, I do think the emergence of hybrid work, more opportunities that are going to be forever full-time remote, not only creates more geographical opportunities for where people might live, but just more choices. Again, if you say, all right, there might be a two or three year period where I'm going to want to work in a hybrid environment, or I'm going to want to work in a remote environment so I can 
navigate these things, there are more choices than there have ever been before to be able to, you know, consider that. Um, I would say that's coupled with excitement around, there are more options now for learning new skills or getting new capabilities in a highly affordable and flexible way than have ever been the case before. If you think about like, oh, well, you know, in order to get this new skill, you have to go to um, night college or you have to go, you know, do this very expensive, time consuming thing. Now, with the sort of the emergence of all the ways you can get sort of online learning, online credentials, things that are smaller and easier to digest, you know, there are classes you can get on Udemy for, you know, having a Python certification that are like $12. Right, like the 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 opportunity to learn highly valuable, highly monetizable skills affordably has never been bigger. So I think again, sort of people opening their eyes to there are so many choices for how you build skills, how you build earning potential, um, more than there have ever been before. But again, I think you have to come back and say, all right, like what what am I solving for? What matters for me most in this moment? And then just making sure that you know that women and really all all people just invest in themselves and think about, you know, what they want and, and the different paths to potentially um, make those things a reality. Maggie, I'm excited to get into our rapid fire section. Are you up for it? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Remote, hybrid, or office? Hybrid. Best productivity tool you've ever used? Uh, Google Slides. And just as an aside, so when I was McKinsey um, consultant, you know, we were still using PowerPoint. And as you think about the versions of that, you get to like version 67 of a document <laughs> or some madness. So I think like productivity in Google Docs in general, spectacular. Podcast, audiobooks, or print books? Uh, at the moment, audiobooks. And awesome. in particular, I love Blinkist. Like Ooh. the short seven minutes of a book and what's the most important bits to get. Again, okay. when you're crunched for time, if, if you've never tried Blinkist, that's a little commercial for Blinkist. Awesome. I love it. I've heard so much yeah. about it and I've not yet dabbled. So I absolutely will. Um, and then finally, is there anything that you've consumed, read, watched, listened to lately that you can't stop thinking about? Oh, let's see. Um you know, when I uh, when I was on vacation recently, we just had spring break. Um, I read um, Marty Kagan's book, Inspired, um, which is really all about product management and um, how to build excellent, you know, product and technology teams, what the best teams do differently. And that's on my mind a lot as we think about how do we build um, really high performing, excited, engaged inspired um, product and technology teams in a world that's now hybrid, where people are also just dispersed all over. And how do we think about new ways of, you know, leading teams in that environment? So that, I think that's probably one of the things that's um, on my mind the most from something I've just recently read. Awesome. We'll check it out. Wow. I'm excited. Thank you for listening to the Murder Honestly podcast, a production of the Murder City Woman. Before you go, the Murder Honestly membership is open. We offer programs and toolkits that support you on the home front and work front. Corporate memberships are also available for employers looking to provide real solutions to employees at home and at work. Our Murder Honestly team are Robin Kinney, Audrey Goodson-Kingo, Christine All, 
Oluchi Obonaya, Fumbi Shawande, and more. Follow us on social media at Mother Honestly. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Your reviews are important to us. Leave us a review and share with a friend. Come back next week as we level up with Indeed.